morning. Uh, today is the second Sunday of Lent, and the Old Testament lectionary passage for this morning is Genesis chapter 15. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read most of it. So um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to read along with me, starting at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and I, a member of my household, will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heavens and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. I give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid, them, laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates. Let us pray. The Lord, we just ask that you be with us as we look at this passage on this second Sunday of Lent. May all that is said give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a lot to read, but each piece is, is important. And as we think about this passage, and, and sometimes we read it in pieces and we don't, we don't look at it as an entirety, but as always, you know me, uh, the context and understanding what is going on. Um, we looked at the story of Abraham I don't know, several months ago uh, in chapter 12. What happens is, is Abram, who later becomes Abraham, is from Ur the Chaldees, and God calls him to follow in chapter 12 to, to go and to wherever God would lead him. And the fact that he will hear and he steps out uh, is his faithfulness and 
Um, he believes God, as we see here, and it's reckoned to him as righteousness. He's go, he goes. But one of the things God tells Abram is, you know, he wants him to leave his, his father and his clan, his, his father's family, behind. And Abram's willing to do that. But Abram and his wife are old. At the time, they're probably in their 70s. He's at least in his 70s. And they don't have any children. She's barren, which is a bad thing. Uh, said before, that, that makes him kind of a, a loser in the ancient world. But what he does, his brother has died. His brother's name Haran. And his brother had a son named Lot. So he ends up leaving his father and his father's household, but he brings Lot with him. And he, he, he kind of adopts Lot. Now, we act like, you know, hey, he's, that's so nice, adopting his nephew. Well, his nephew's not young. He's probably, you know, a grown man. Um, so he, he kind of may have, yes, adopted him. He's going to take care of him, but they're, they're going to go. Because this is what would happen in the ancient world, is he has no offspring, so he assumes the logical way that God is going to make him a great nation, that God's going to bless him, is through his nephew. That's what would happen if, if you didn't have any children and your brother died. You, you're supposed to connect with your, your nephew and make sure that the family name goes on. And so he brings Lot. Well, then what happens next is in chapter 13, God separates Lot out. They end up separate. And then there's some battle going on and Abram has to kind of help Lot out. But there, there's separation between the two of them. And that's what happens, and that's what picks up chapter 15. That's why God shows up and says to Abraham, don't, don't be all down. Um, you're going to be a great nation, reminding him of that. And his response is, how? My closest relative is Eleazar of Damascus. You know, it's almost like he's telling God, you know, I had Lot. I thought that was how this was going to happen. But now you've taken Lot away from me. And my closest relative is some distant relative, Eleazar of Damascus. What are, what are you doing, God? How am I going to be a great nation? And God says, I'm going to be faithful to what I promise. And then tells him this interesting thing to do. I've mentioned it before. I think it's the first time we've actually read, read the text. He tells them to go get these animals, cut them in half, and lay the pieces out. Well, that is a strange thing for us to read. But I want you to know there's, there's a principle here. That God, when God wants to give us a tangible way to know his covenant, from images to imagery for his covenant to to sacrificial system, God always communicates in a way the person, the people will understand what he's saying. Now, sometimes us, thousands of years later, don't quite understand if you don't know a little bit about what's going on. But you see this mentioned a couple of times in Scripture, cutting covenant. But what's going on here is this is how you would make a contract in the ancient world. I mean, they didn't have courts of law. You didn't go, you know, if you bought a piece of land, you didn't go file the deed in the courthouse. And you didn't. What would happen is you would enter into a covenant, a promise that would extend to your children and your children's children. And one of the ways you would do it would be cutting covenant. You'd take an animal and cut it in half, 
And then each person that was making this deal, whether it was a land deal or your other, some type of promise or some kind of a business agreement, both parties would then walk between the pieces of the animal. And what you're saying is that, you know, the God that we worship, whatever God that is, may that God do to us what we have done to these animals if we break this covenant. And then often you would either put a big pile of stones or set up some kind of large monument or rock or something that would stand there as what's called a standing stone so that future generations would know, hey, that's where the deal was made. And it's a reminder of what what went on. Well, that's kind of how you made a, a, a contract, a covenant agreement that extended uh, for generations. And that's what God's doing here with Abraham. That's why he knows. He says, go get the animals, and he knows to cut them in half and lay them out. He knows what you're supposed to do. So that's what's going on here. And I want us to think about this story and, and some other pieces of it, and what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as we read it? And one of the, the, the first things that jumps out that you just that is my favorite thing to see in this in this story is just the image of the gospel there the promise of god because if you read the text what happens is god in the form of a smoking pot and you know, fire passes through the pieces this this sleep and this darkness kind of comes on abram and he sees this smoking pot and fire kind of passed through the pieces. God walks through the pieces. But God never makes Abraham walk through the pieces. The God, God is the one who, who walks through these pieces. It's like God saying, I promise I am faithful to my word. I am faithful to everything I've promised you. You've got to trust me. If you'll trust me and, and we'll keep this contract, I am so faithful that no matter what happens, if anything happens, it's almost like God is saying, if this contract is broken, then God will die. But Abram is never forced to walk through the pieces. It seems a little one-sided. But the truth is, the one who often breaks the contract, that, that often messes up when it comes to God's covenant love and calling and work in our lives, is us. We are the ones that, that don't trust God and that get off track. And when you think about that in terms of this Lenten season, I mean, last Sunday, we, we looked at Jesus in the wilderness and we saw that those temptations were real, significant. I mean, they're, they're not as black and white as sometimes we think. And we talked about how they're really, they're, they were really significant temptations and the subtlety of how the enemy works and getting tempted. And it is an illustration for us. Of Jesus shows what it, what it looks like if we love God with our heart, soul, and might in those temptations in the wilderness. Because the truth is what sets up the rest, the rest of the Gospels and the New Testament is 
we don't love God like that. We're the ones who mess it up. And when we mess up and we break our side of the deal, God's the one who pays the price on the cross. It is Jesus who dies for us. It's God saying, if this covenant doesn't come out to be true and if either party doesn't fulfill their obligation, that God will die for it. That's how much God invites us and wants us to follow. So I want us to understand that the overarching idea, you see God's, God's grace in it. The good news, the promise of the gospel. You know, another way that you see God's grace and invitation in this passage is towards the end when we read that God promises Abram, you're going to get this land. You're going to live old age, and your descendants are going to be great. They're going to be a multitude, and they're going to get this property. But God tells them the truth. They're, they're going to actually go into bondage for 400 years. And when they come out, they're going to get it. But there's a little, there's a little statement there at the end when, when God says, but the, the sin of the Amorites is not complete. That the reason that Abram's descendants are, are going to be in bondage and aren't going to get it and, and it's probably going to get 500 years from when he's saying this to Abraham before they would be able to live and claim the property is because the people who live there haven't sinned bad enough that God says there's no more chances. Their sin has not gotten so complete God's ready to judge them. That God gives them 500 years of grace, the people that live in the promised land. Until God's ready to, to judge and, and has had enough. But they get grace. That you see God's grace, as I've said before, always goes first. And here in this passage, we see a beautiful image of the gospel. Well, I want us to also think about what is... What does that mean for us in reading this? There's a couple other things that, that kind of jumped out at me as I, I, I read it. One, as we have been talking about this journey of discipleship, we looked at that for weeks, and we, we've invited people during Lent. You know, yes, you give up stuff, but also trying to add something. Um, we put out that four for 40, just in, inviting people to pick four things that maybe maybe. A, devotion time in the morning or maybe to, you know do something good for a neighbor I mean all kinds of things on the list anything you can imagine but somehow taking a next step of faith and moving forward in your in your journey with God because that's that's important it's it's a journey that I love in this story even in Genesis the first book of the Bible you see it's just God's heart's revealed. God wanted to be with us all the time. For us to just follow where he leads. And if we had any questions, bring it to God and God would interact. How that gets messed up is our sin. We mess up our, our side. We hide ourselves because of our rejection and sin and wanting to be our own gods. And God figures out a way. God will do whatever he can. And here he finds someone who's listening. And so he speaks, gives them an opportunity. If you'll just follow where I lead you. But Abram doesn't get it right. <laughs> he 
He gets close. I mean, he goes, but he brings Lot. He doesn't fully trust that it's going to be his descendants. And God shows up and reminds him and gives him this covenant. And if you keep reading the story, Abram gets it kind of wrong again. He, he realizes it's going to be his descendants, but he's not so sure it's going to be his wife's and, and comes up with another plan. And then God has to show up again and give him another covenant image that he would understand. That God works with him. That it is a journey. That you even see this progressive way that Abram's faith and trust in God grow. And you see that happen all through Scripture in people's lives. That it is, you learn to discover God is trustworthy. God wants us to trust a little more and a little more. It actually takes Abram, I've said before, all the way to chapter 22. And it works out to a, at least 20 years or more of following God before he really gets it, before he really understands. And it's chapter 22 where he, he realizes, I'm going to do what God says even when it doesn't make sense. And I don't know what the fallout will be or how God's going to show up. And it, it takes him years to get to that point. That our faithful next steps are, are opportunities to step out and, and let God show us God's faithfulness. But it happens over time. And where we get off track and when we get off track is exactly what God is illustrating to Abram. We get off track and we don't quite get it. God wants to continue to work with us on the journey. And if we'll repent, God's the one that pays the price. Jesus is the one that dies for our failures and mistakes. So we see God's grace. We see how it is progressive. It is a journey. It is God continually transforming us. And then the final thing that they kind of jumped out at me in reading this passage and thinking about where we are in the world and what's going on and things are, are difficult. Um, you know, we've just had the, the pandemic and now we have the Russia and the Ukraine. And you hear all kinds of rumors and statements of people asking, you know, is this the end of the world? Things are getting so bad, it's going to be the end of the world. And, and there's some biblical truth to the promise, you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. The more we reject God, the worse it gets. And there will be a moment God will show up. I, I believe that. There will be a moment that Jesus will, will come back and there is going to be judgment and there is going to be the invitation for those followers. It, it, it is going to get worse before it gets better. But the question is, this, is this the end? Well, you know, every generation has had stuff that has happened that made them think this is the end of the world. So I don't know. I do know, as I've said before, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. So we're getting closer. Anything can be a wake-up call to want to enter into a journey with God. But the thing I was thinking about and what's going on in our world, and we, we want God to intervene, and I pray for that, and we pray for that, and we want to see God do something and step in and fix it. Going all the way back to Genesis... It's a principle I think you see all through Scripture. And you actually see it all through history. The dominant way that God works in the world 
the dominant way that God transforms the world, that brings about the kingdom things, that, that brings about the good and, and changes things, is through inviting broken people to follow in small steps over a long period of time. That's really how it happens. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it multiple times. You see it in the New Testament. You see it with the disciples. You see it in the book of Acts. You see it all the way through. You see it in history. That yes, God breaks in. Yes, pray for a miracle. Pray and seek a miracle. And I hope God steps in and does some kind of miracle. But sometimes we need to be aware. When God steps in, is ready to step in in a miracle, and we want, you know, hey, will you, will you judge our enemies? Will you, will, will you come and fix this problem because we're being wronged? When you really lay full righteousness on the table, none of us really measure up. As much as I may look at some other people as an enemy, there are other people that think I'm their enemy. They're praying for God to deal with me. That if we really, we really want God to fix this, there may be more involved than we would want to surrender to. And we also see in Scripture when, when God does do miracles, when Jesus performs miracles, he eventually gets to the point of saying, yeah, y'all just want miracles. All you want is me to be perform. You think that's the purpose. You've missed the point. The miracles and God healing and what God does was always to point to God's faithfulness. The invitation has always been to follow. Just trust me. And if more people trust me and follow, then things will be better. That in, in the miraculous interventions, the moments the kingdom breaks in and you see amazing things happen, those are wonderful. But I want us to remember, especially in this Lenten season where we think about the little things God may be inviting us to do and the ways that we can take a, a next step of faith, the ways that we can maybe draw just a little bit closer to God, maybe take a, a step in faithfulness. That what I just feel overwhelmed to, to make sure people know is that that is how God wants to work. And actually, that is the dominant way that God changes the world. In Scripture and in history, just know. Inviting broken people who get it wrong, who mess up in our brokenness, God graciously invites us to join in following to follow where he may lead, to come to trust God enough to take a step and taking small steps towards God and what God would want over a long period of time, even over generations. That's the dominant way. That's how God changes the world. That's where the kingdom comes. God is usually working behind the scenes in ways that we don't see, often in spite of us. 
inviting us to just take a next step. Take a moment to be faithful in what we're invited to do. So I invite you on this Sunday of Lent to to remember and hear in this story the beautiful image of the gospel. That in the covenant relationship we have with God, God is saying here, and if you break your you're part of it. God's the one who'll pay a price. God will die on our behalf to make sure we know how faithful and trustworthy. And this progressive journey of, I'm not there yet, that's how it works. That's how it worked for Abraham. And, and also the small ways that we step out in faithfulness that we grow as a disciple over a long period of time. That's how the world gets changed. May we step out and follow and surrender and trust God who makes a way for us through Jesus Christ so that we can then be part of how God is transforming the world, something much bigger than ourselves, and know that our steps along the way matter. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for the grace that you show us. And we see here your, your invitation and your tangible promise to Abraham of cutting covenant. And your word is trustworthy and worthy to be followed. And we also see here the grace that you offer the people of Canaan. And the fact that it's a new day and that your word is true, you say your mercy is new every morning. May we realize it's a new day. We are still here. We're given an opportunity to take a step in your direction, to follow and to, to, to just try to to get a little closer to you, what it means. And as we do that over time, that's how, you, that's how you work in the world. That's the dominant way. So thank you for being willing to use us, to see us, to die for us. May we be willing to step out and follow in whatever ways you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.